Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to CHGO Red Stars. It's your girl Sandra Dana, joined today as always by my friend, homie, and colleague Claire Watkins, aka the Scam Originator. And uh, yeah, good morning? Question mark. I don't know about good, but it's definitely been a morning. Uh, well, we want to welcome Sandra. It's lovely to see your face. I haven't seen you in two weeks. You know what, buddy? I'd love to disappear for two weeks. And then come back and have to fight. It's yeah, like, wow. Right. Refreshed, rejuvenated. What an energy. Yeah. <laughs> what an energy indeed. Look, I, I, I miss you always. And going two weeks is tough. So I'm happy that we're back. We're doing this remote uh, because uh, a lot of folks out there getting summer sick. Yeah. And uh, Claire, Claire and myself are <laughs> included. With, yeah, right. Yeah, Claire and myself are dealing with some sinus issues. Shout out to, you know, access to testing and things like that. I know. That. It's so funny. It's like it's every so single person I'm like wearing, I'm, I am wearing the mask in public. I do have to immediately be like, it's not COVID, but it's, you know. It's so, yeah, it's so yeah. funny. Like, funny when you have like access to things. Yeah. That like help you out in yeah. your navigating your health. It's like, crazy concept um yeah we're obviously opening up with jokes uh, a little bit but uh we're gonna pivot a little bit on today's episode everyone comes here uh because they want to hear us talk about the chicago red stars and uh we will do that a bit on this this episode but we wanted to start off the top of this segment with a bit of an open chat about essentially the breaking news and the reversal of Roe v. Wade and what that means for women's sports in general and uh, maybe kind of wait into end up like what that could mean for NWSL a a little bit. Um, Tough, tough morning. I just, I just don't have, I just don't have a lot, you know, um, about it. Uh, So if, if folks want to take a second to come on back and join us, uh, we'll chat with this a little bit, but uh, quite frankly, uh, something like this impacts women's sports, and that's why we got to talk about it here on CHO Red Stars. Yeah, I think um, maybe a good place to start is moving from yesterday and today into today, um, because including Sandra here, um, including you know my colleagues over at Just Women Sports and a lot of other uh, very good publications. Um, the White House hosted something for the 50th anniversary of Title IX. Um, And it felt like it was an interesting tone, I will say, um, celebrating the 50th anniversary of Title IX because the people involved in that piece of legislation who are still prominent figures today, most, you know, primarily Billie Jean King, um, the tone was somewhat celebratory, but it was also... I think a a large focus on how much work is still to be done. And I think that I don't know if that was influenced by the knowledge of what was likely coming today, but I think that it's one of those, it's been a weird 48 hours to see the commemoration of something that inarguably changed the lives of millions of girls and women in this country for the better 50 years ago. Yeah. To have 
a piece of legislation or not legislation, but a, a court case that was upheld one year later, one year after Title IX, be struck down today. Um, is it's a it's an emotional and a, it's a mental whiplash. Um, it feels a little bit like it throws into reality some of the lies maybe we've been telling ourselves about the arc of progress in this country. Um, though, you know, Sandra and I have never shied away from talking about a lot of those hypocrisies in women's sports. Uh, talked about a lot that a lot in 2020. Talked about that a lot in 2021. This is just the next example, I think. Um, and so when, when people say that like a functioning society cannot do this, maybe a good, and this is maybe where women's sports is a, a checkpoint for people. You cannot have a robust, thriving, healthy women's sports environment in a country where in a majority of states you do not have access to privacy and to healthcare. And that's where we're at right now. Yeah, hundred percent. I, you know, I, I'm going to bring this to the, to the show now, cause I was thinking about this and we were chatting very, very briefly about it off, off mic. And so I'm going to bring it on to the episode now, but just thinking about the crossover and how, something like this impacts women's professional sports, right? The, the right to choose, you know, right. for, for a woman in her body. And that also bleeds into something like a professional athlete. If their job is to be a professional athlete and being able to have, make the choices that they want to make in terms of how their careers are going to look right. during a specific moment in time for them. I mean, you brought up, title nine and the 50 year celebrations. And I think of somebody like Billie Jean King who yeah. had to go through, through these types of things during the prime of her career. Um, and sort of just the traumas that, that come with that. Uh, but also thinking a little bit about how, you know, you think about women's pro leagues and I feel like oftentimes there's this progressive lens mm -hmm. that is that comes with being a women's pro sport athlete or or being a women's professional league that women's pro leagues whether it's WNBA or NWSL or even secondary type level divisions within that they automatically are given this sort of progressive lens a little bit and that comes with maybe a certain level of unwanted emotional uh you know and mental labor where you kind of have to do this constant educating not just for yourself but perhaps others who are following your career or following the league or the team in which you play on i think you said it best where we had some of these conversations of a little bit in 2020 and even last year and sort of following the lead of, of the players and how they were sort of, you know, utilizing their platforms and their voices, but just even thinking of this season and so sort of thinking and looking at certain clubs, something like reproductive healthcare is absolutely integrated within NWSL. There are a handful yeah. of clubs just this season alone that have prided themselves in announcing partnerships with certain fertility clinics, IVF programs, et cetera. We, we had mentioned off mic, we've thought about racing Louisville uh, right away. I believe Kansas city current also had put something that I think even Portland thorns feel free to co correct me um, if I'm forgetting others, but it just sort of felt like a good handful uh, uh, of clubs sort of made these announcements this year. So Chicago as well, right? The Red Stars I did too. I believe so as yeah. well. Yeah. And I think Aaron Wright was part of And the person who talked about that the most is Aaron Wright, who has a son. Yeah. You know, so he's a mom on this team. So yeah. it's just um it's just sort of, you know, we couldn't we could not come on to today's episode and be unauthentic to ourselves, number one. And number two, with our audience here, and not chat about this a little bit at least, and sort of how these things are very closely tied together and how they sort of integrate 
within each other because you can't look at the NWSL specifically and say that this has nothing to do with the National Women's Soccer League because that's just simply not true, incorrect, naive, and denial at its best. Well, uh, it's, They're absolutely integrated. Yeah, I think sometimes even it's interesting. I think sometimes like someone like Sandra or I or anybody else who – has lived experience and and also has enough has just kind of lives in the space of the women's soccer space. You don't lay out something like access to abortion services being integral to women's sports, but it three Chicago Red Stars are out for the season. Yeah. Because of pregnancy. And these are welcome, exciting, you know, wonderful things in these players' lives. And even that, you know, it, it changes the infrastructure of the team around them, right? The team adjusts to that and they're happy to do it because it's something that is, is really important to people's lives. And part of being a holistic employer is supporting players through something like that. It's why the league has maternity leave. It's why the new UMIS women's national team, has, uh, CBA, has both maternity and paternity leave and has yeah. protections for mothers coming back from pregnancy. Um it it's integral to everything that, that happens in this sport. It's these players' bodies. These players have their nutrition monitored. They have yes. their sleep monitored. They have their exercise monitored. And to say that they have no control over that other aspect of, of one of the most important pieces of their performance is absolutely insane. And so while you talk about trying to be progressive and, and try to take a human first approach to a sports league, the NWSL and the WNBA are trying to do that with their maternity policies and their pregnancy policies. If you have teams in states that take that power away from their employer to actually support their players in a number of these things, I mean, my own political opinion on it aside, like you cannot have a functioning sports league that way. The idea that uh, an athlete with an unwanted pregnancy is forced to go through to labor. It's, it's, I, I have nothing to say. I have nothing. Yeah, to say. It absolutely. Yeah. It absolutely rattles my brain. Yeah. I'm with you, homie. I'm with you on that hundred percent. It absolutely, um, it absolutely rattles my brain. It uh, makes me feel uneasy inside, you know, all of those, you know, perhaps bad feelings that other people are feeling today. I'm feeling them as well. You know, it's just sort of this, it is, it's a very dreary kind of emotion. You sit there and you wonder, well, what's next? Quite frankly, it's a, it's a very sad place and sad feeling uh, to be in. So, you know, I just, uh, I guess, I guess now's a good time to sort of maybe let people know that if they're looking, if they're sort of feeling hopeless, if, if, pe if people think that like they want to have the opportunity to try to put their support around things, we try to find some local, um, areas in which people can try to send their support if that's what they're looking to do. Um, we are keeping it local because again, this is a, it's a Red Stars podcast. So we're also two locals to Chicago here. Uh, but if anyone is interested in promoting abortion access in Illinois, they should donate to uh, Shy Abortion Fund and uh, the Hope Clinic Women. You can find them both on Twitter at Shy Abortion Fund and Hope Clinic Women. Um, there's a there's a multitude of, of areas in which you can sort of give your support, but we wanted to try to highlight these two um, specifically in an effort to, you know, give people an option to sort of direct their, their energies. If you're looking to sort of redirect your energies into yeah. certain areas, I think this is perhaps a good way um, to do that. And if obviously if, if supporting financially is not something you're able to do at, at the moment, there's a plethora of ways to continue uh, trying to support and a good way is to, to go to these sites as well. And they have a lot of different other avenues in which you can go and, and try to, uh, to, to support, you know, even if that's just sharing a link or sharing, you know, the, the donation links and, and, and stuff, uh, stuff like that. So definitely check those out. And it doesn't have to be necessarily, um, 
you know, specific to Illinois. I'm, I'm sure there are neutrals who find themselves following um, NWSL and, and perhaps they want to, uh, you know, find something that's that's closer to to them locally um, or otherwise. So, you know, if, if in the event you want to do that, there's also the the secure.actblue.com uh, site that people can go and visit as well and find, uh, you know, other great ways. Yeah, to, uh, the could... thing I like about, about I mean, it's, I know that this is maybe the easiest thing because it is Act Blue. We're all familiar with Act Blue. They, they cut the donations up and they spread them around, but it's a pretty good directory of, of um, other organizations in states outside Illinois, because obviously we are very lucky in the, in the city of Chicago um, just to, to have some state protections yeah. right now. Um, but there are other states that do not. And, um, and, and so there, that's a, it's helpful to find, uh, if you would like to specifically give your money to an organization in a state that is going to be hit the hardest by this, um, this is a good way to, to find that. Um, Sandra, can I ask you, this is, a, I'm, we're just talking. So this is like a question I would ask you off air, but I'm going to ask you on just cause we're chatting. Yeah. Um, is it? Is it worth asking NWSL clubs what they're going to do to help their players, especially yeah. if they're in states that are looking to to fully ban all kinds of of uh, abortion health care, or is yeah. this so out of their hands that they can't can they do anything? Can the Houston Dash do anything about this? Yeah, can can the Houston Dash do anything about this? You know, can Racing Louisville? Can the Orlando can, Pride? Right? Can the Orlando yeah. Pride? Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, I don't think it's an unfair question to yeah. ask. You know, I think obviously these clubs have already in certain ways have tried to, uh, you know, show their players yeah. that they do have a support structure in place when it comes to, to women's reproductive health. Um, and I think the bigger question of that is, is there a finishing point right. for clubs in that and it, you know is there a point where a club says well we did this we provided a but right. we just cannot provide b right. and i think that is where um you know maybe some of the the bad feelings or or sad feelings come into play because i mean i guess my answer is that i don't that i don't really know yeah. you know I, I i would hope that you know if if players find themselves in a position where they want to have those conversations with their loved ones and their doctors right. and by, you know, extension, their workplace, right. um, that there is space to have those conversations and not only space to have those conversations, but continued support for them. Right. You know, that's, that's my only hope. Yeah. And then like, I feel like the follow-up question is we talk a lot about, um, markets for women's sports right and, yeah. and large markets uh more urban markets highly populated markets versus smaller markets and yeah. i always have been of the mind of uh you don't want to hold a small small market against the team i think kansas city is a really good example of that yeah. right you cannot hold them being in a less traditional sports market though they're not it's a huge sports town in kansas city but what they're doing is is showing that material support, that consistent commitment to their players having the best experience possible. But you'd have to think, <coughs> um, just like players have to take in a number of considerations when they decide if, if a club is a club that they want to play for, their protected human rights in the state in which they play has to be a factor now. Well, it's yeah. always been a factor, but it becomes increasingly so, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I it's something to think about. You know, I think in, in terms of, I mean, my goodness, we we're we had a there was an active news week. I was gone, so of course everything happened. Yeah. Well, I was gone, but one of the things, you know, that that happened was, um, you know, the the NWSL Bay Area mm -hmm. uh, investorship group really sort of took that next step forward and saying, you know, trying so, to solidify their space in the expansion conversation. There's a ton of markets out there that are interested in, in expansion within the NWSL. Um, 
but this is one of those things, you know, that I, that I, that I do think about. And I think that you're right in sort of bringing that up, you know, in terms of what is, what does that mean for future clubs that come, the current clubs that are in place and their markets that are in existence in the league right now, but right. those that will be coming in the future as well. Like, are they having the conversations about this, uh, this now and uh, what that could look like in, you know, because we're talking about 2024, apparently might be the next right. wave of, of new markets uh, into the league. But yeah, I don't think that's unfair to bring up at all, <laughs> quite, quite frankly. Right. Um, you know, I mean, we're, we're we've already seen um, we've already seen a couple clubs um, give their reaction to this morning. News, right. You know, I, I might be missing some, but, you know, I saw you know, Gotham FC, New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC, put something out, Kansas City Current. Yep. Also put something out as well. That was very, um, that was very nice to see, you know, from them, you know, extending the support. They, this is, um, this is a league full of, of extraordinary athletes, you know, women identifying, trans identifying athletes. And uh, I think it's important that the players of these teams are, you know, feel like they're supportive ultimately. So that's, I think that is just sort of what I'm left with right now. You know, we're doing this on a Friday, you know, ahead of some NWSL matches. I, I do wonder if maybe this is in these moments where some of these teams are going to have their final prep, you know, for their games ahead of this weekend. Is right. this the topic of conversation that's coming up in, in their locker rooms? You know, I'm, I well, I mean, the U.S. the U.S. is playing uh, tomorrow, <laughs> and um, they are they're playing in in Colorado, and I have to think that uh, that's always they're always uh, willing to use their platform. I have to think that there's yes. certainly going to be talk about it after the game. Um, I know um, the supporters group uh, of the U.S. Women's National Team. I know they have plans to show their support in in Colorado, which I think is great. Um, yeah, I. It, it's just another thing, right? It's just another thing that that they have to be thinking about, worried about. I mean, I remember after the the school shooting in Uvalde, Casey Stoney of the San Diego Wave. Yeah, she was very honest. She said it made me reconsider whether I want to raise my children in this country. Yeah, uh, and you know, I, I again, I don't feel the constant need to keep like tying this to sports, but it's ridiculous to say that it doesn't affect the infrastructure of a sports league. And if it doesn't, then your sports league doesn't have any women in it. And yeah. that is a problem in and of itself. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it affects everything. It affects the way you prep. It affects where you want to live. It affects your feelings around the people around you. Um, and you talk about literally making decisions for your children, whether you already have them or would like to in the future, of course it affects it. Yeah. So I, it's something that perhaps, and, and, and NWSL players and coaches are very professional in that they will absolutely use their voices to speak about the things that they're passionate about. Um, I'm not sure that they would ever say out loud, I'm not going to play in this market because of something like this. Um, but it's a valid, it's a valid concern. And yeah, you go back to yeah, someone like Casey Stoney, who's coming over from England and this is the U S that she moves to. I don't know, man. It's like, again, I don't know how this creates a viable environment. Like people talk about how like sports are the benefit of a functioning society. And if your society is not functioning, neither will sports. And as we all know, it hits women's sports first. Always. Yeah. No, 100%. I uh I don't have much more to to add on that for 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 what you just said. I just uh yeah, my hope is that um the players in this league continue to feel supportive. Um and you know, we're come we we came into this season I think with a lot of hope. Um just coming off of the 2021 that took place. Um with you know there being a new historic CBA for for the players in this league, mm -hmm. and having that followed up with a historic contract for you know the United States Women's National Team, um, and I think when things like that happen, it's it's a moment of celebration, right. you know. 
And then when you have something like this happen, you know, in the news and you sort of see how that intersects with, with women's sports, it's kind of, kind of springs you back into, you know, how the work is never done. Right. We hear that all the time. And um, so I would imagine that there's a lot of folks that feel that way. Um, and this just happened today. So folks want to take the time to just sort of process for, you know, themselves. Well, um, yeah, I mean, the one final thought that I had, and this is not just a thought about today, but it's a thought about yesterday, too, about, again, the yeah. legacy of, of Title IX um, and and the CBA, both CBAs. I think it all speaks to the same thing, um, which is that uh, investment and goodwill are not the same thing as pro legal protections. And I think even within the women's sports space, we get that confused sometimes where we think, oh, because these people with either this social or material capital are investing in this space and are expressing a desire to invest and have the money to spend, we are moving in the right direction. And I think that's true. I'm not telling people with material or social capital not to invest in women's sports. Please do keep doing it. Need you more than ever now. Yep. But it doesn't replace legal protections. And that is the legacy of title nine. You don't get equal opportunities in education and in sports until you tell people that they have to. And you keep pushing that for 50 years, even though you know that again, hundreds of institutions are still out of compliance 50 years later. And you do that because you can file an official legal complaint and it will be taken seriously. You ratify a CBA because you cannot rely on the goodwill of ownership of clubs or of leagues to protect you. You need it in writing and you need to say, we are going to work towards the enforcement of this for the next five years, and then we're going to negotiate another one. You, I mean, you file a lawsuit against your federation because even within the context of negotiations of a collective bargaining agreement, you still are not able to have the protections that you need of your salary, of the way you are treated, standards, all of that. Again, they wrote maternity and paternity into the collective CBA. You need that because it's human nature for people to violate those rights all the time. And so the importance of written protections cannot be underestimated by, oh, it's okay because our owner is willing to spend a lot of money on our club or like, oh, it's okay because the sponsor isn't going anywhere. And all those things are great. They do not replace written protections of human rights. And again, just to bring this all home, the reason why you have a CBA and the reason why you have things like Title IX is because they make your sports league, your education system, your base of citizens in a country better. And so it's, it's not just like an opinion. It's not, it's, it's literally the way society works or a functioning society is supposed to work. And, and I, I, you know, I think that when we have these conversations, we talk around it a lot, right? Yeah. We talk about like, uh, oh, even just like women's, sports players don't deserve the protections of higher salaries because we do know that money protects you in this country right or yeah. you know it's all of these things and this idea that just over time over time over time it'll just <laughs> work itself out we there are reasons sporting there's quantifiable sporting results that say otherwise and that speaks to the dominance of the u.s women's national team over the last 20 years talking about the world catching up they totally are the reason why the U.S. has been so dominant for so long is because of Title IX and because of things like Roe versus Wade. And that has directly led to this player pool being so deep and the ability of these teams to go out and do so well because those protections have been suppressed in other countries. 
it was illegal for people to play soccer, football, in it was for women to play football in England for years. And upon the lawsuit and the CBA, we're seeing other countries follow suit. And so again, it's integral to the whole concept. We shouldn't even have this podcast talking about women's sports. Yeah. If we cannot have this conversation, it's a it's a farce because you have no foundation to stand on otherwise. I don't know. It, I don't know. No, homie, I'm just I'm just here like yes, yeah. <laughs> the entire time. It's just uh yeah, I I start off by saying that it's a that it's a tough day to in general and it's tough to do this quite frankly you know i mean we the reason why we we got led to this point to be able to hop on here and have this conversation with each other by a larger extension of our audience uh is that we we had we were struggling with it right is that you know we saw the breaking news and we're just like we need to figure out a way to sort of be able to to come on here and do what we do it'd be doing it'd be doing the red stars a disservice not to talk about this first because it affects them too oh quite frankly absolutely um it's uh yeah i just uh i'm glad if if not for nothing else that i'm able to that i'm able to do this with you buddy quite quite frankly i don't know if i could do this uh with anybody else uh honestly so um i'm just going to reiterate once more if um you know, because the day the news is, is, is very tough for, for many, because, you know, perhaps you're finding your energy, you know, needing to redirect that yeah. in a certain way. Again, just want to go ahead and plug, you know, the fact that you can go to, to Act Blue and, and go and, and send your donations there uh, and, and go ahead and find the resources uh, to, to be able to sort of redirect uh, those energies. Because it's one thing for us to just sort of, do what we're doing here and taking a half hour to, to chat about this. Um, but there's also that other feeling where folks are like, okay, so we're what's next? There's people who look to, to try to find action um, to make themselves sort of, you know, feel like they're not so helpless. So uh, going ahead to, you know, and just reiterate that, that you all can go ahead and make sure that you head on over to, uh, to add abortion funds and you can go ahead and, um, you know, find a number of ways to, to, to support um, access to uh, safe healthcare for women in this country. So that being said, do you want to chat a little bit about some Red Stars news? I think we, I think we should, I mean, maybe spend 10, 15 minutes just chatting Red Stars. You know, I was having that thought today as well, where I was just like, again, you know, can't, things can never be fun. Things can never be easy. Chicago, I adored the game that Chicago played last weekend. I loved it from both the Red Stars and the Current. I thought that was the most fun game I had watched all year. And then I woke up this morning and I was like, and now it's canceled. Now it's gone. We can't even talk about Uh. it. Uh, No, I feel you 100%. I I, uh, was away again during this time. Being able to rewatch it or catch some of the highlights. It felt like um, this was the game for me, for Sandra, that felt like, ah, yes. Mm-hmm. This is like the bro ship. Yes, gal yes. pals, sporting rivals. Yeah. Casey here, like, this is the game that we can point to and say, it's back, baby. The That's Casey, right. Red Stars, energy, the rivalry of the games. I love a good draw between Kansas City and Chicago. It's something that yeah. we were used to uh, when, when FC, yeah, when FC Kansas City was around. We were used to, we were used to some real scoreless or narrow draws, but yeah. I love a good four goal, uh, mm-hmm. two, two draw against these two teams. And it was nice uh, to, to see it come to fruition. And the result ultimately means that the Red Stars are now undefeated in their last seven matches. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I saw a lot of people who I wonder if they actually really watched the game say like, Oh, Chicago dropped the result. And like, no, maybe because obviously that, that goal by CC Kaiser was like a rocket from distance. Maybe you say, well, in a world where she doesn't do that, then Chicago wins. But I was like, but Kansas city played really well. I, I don't agree that this was like, 
the mighty red stars dropping a point against the, the oh lowly Kansas City current. <laughs> I thought, I thought that this turned into, um, we had planned to show the passing maps and everything, but, um, Kansas City's defensive scheme was so pinpoint accurate towards the Reds. I was like, this is a little bit of a rivalry energy because I was like, oh, this team <laughs> like knows this other team. They've um, yes, yeah. That's that's our XG plot, and as you can Love see, it. they really <laughs> held they really yeah. held Chicago to not that much. Most of their XG comes from that from that PK that Mallory Pugh won, um, but like. What what Kansas City did, if you look at their passing structure, is they did not have they did not see very much of the ball. Here we go. So show I want to show this, and then we'll show. Oh, look at that top. glorious pass. So, so you look at this, and maybe you think it's not that good, which I understand because you have the outside of this this defense in this midfield, and actually the defensive midfielders as well, all with these blue um, blue circles, which means that they were not um, doing a ton with their defensive or with their um, ball progression, which is true, but that was what they were doing on purpose. And so let's actually switch over. Can we switch over to Chicago passing map here? There we go. So as you can see, what Kansas city successfully did is they, they completely took Bianca and George out of the game and they pushed everything onto Tatum Malazzo and Rachel Hill. Now, you can see that Hill actually did a decent job with the uh, role that she was given in that she was able to um, connect quite a bit specifically with Mallory Pugh, which is very good. Uh, but also, but if you look at that and take it one step further, Kansas City was not only trying to push Rachel Hill to hold the ball a lot and to go outside, they were specifically trying to push her to send service in with her left foot. So you had... Uh, the Kansas City, I think it was Loera who was on her, or maybe it was Delphi, I can't remember, whoever they had that was specifically on Rachel Hill, um, always sitting on the inside of, of, of what Hill was doing on the wing to avoid a cutback. Because Rachel Hill is, is a very, you know, she's very good at sending the ball and she's not left-footed. So her most dangerous moments are when she cuts back inside, sends service with her right foot. So I'm watching this and I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chicago's got more of the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got Mal Pugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. But I'm like, no, but what Kansas City is doing is like, it, it is some nemesis stuff. Cause yeah. they're like, oh, you want to play us? Well, win on Rachel Hill's left foot. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> I like that. Game, gamesmanship. A little yeah. bit. Maybe a little bit of gamesmanship. I listen. I like it. I, I'm here for this new era of of Chicago, Kansas City kind of football rivalry. I yeah. I'm I'm excited for I like that in 2022. These are two teams that already have a ton of familiarity with each other, even though they're technically an expansion side in their second year. But the games in in Challenge Cup and now here in the regular season it's uh i love that this one kind of ended in the 2-2 two -two draw yeah. i think it was a culmination of of all the games happening uh prior between i love it who doesn't love that feeling oh, look at all well, those good I, I vibes and good to, energy i wanted to point out as well uh just the celebrate the celebration there was a small so we talked last week sandra we talked last week about how chicago is too short height wise for like the gang jump there was a gang jump for yeah. amanda kowalski's goal which She's like their tallest player at this moment, yep. so well-deserved. But um, so they're having to adjust some of their celebrations because you can't – they're, like, leaping over each other in an attempt to to celebrate goals. And so I just I, – I flagged that Pew Malazzo moment uh, just because there was a little bit – there was a little bit of a rodeo motion there. Um, celebrations for penalty kicks are a little bit odd. I think people decide how hard they want to go for a PK goal, but yeah. there was a, a moment there where you're like, Ooh, if that had been an open play, we might've gotten a full, a full thing there. So I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited by the, um, the development of, of what's happening. It's also, again, we'll have to keep indicative. a close eye. It's indicative of a player that is scoring a lot that you get to the point where you're like, so when you score today, we're going to do this. We're going to do this today. We're gonna do I this. love that. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I love it. And you know where we saw it? 
we saw a lot of that in 2019. With I know Frank. with with Sam exactly, yeah. Sam yep. and you, the the the, the planned kind of sellies mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, that's what happens when you have a killer on your yep. team, folks. And Mel too right. is is maybe this is this is the part of the episode where we talk about how she's just been outrageous um yeah mal Pugh, um we're coming on to the point i think in the season where it's a 22 game season so you've got some you've got some clubs already nearing the halfway point with 10 games under yeah. the belt uh the red stars are shortly behind it you know with with nine and as they approach the sort of halfway mark you start having those conversations you start sort of zoning in on those things like golden boot race or MVP caliber type of seasons. And I think it's, it goes without, without a doubt that, that Mal Pugh is, is probably going to continue to be in that conversation. She was last year and she's only building on that this year. Well, and, and we, we pulled up this comment by, by Alex, which I think is a good point. He said, you know, going to be interesting to see how they function in possession during the several upcoming weeks without Pugh for going to force them to get creative. And this is like kind of my point about Kansas city being like win on Rachel Hill's left foot. Um, Chicago almost did because guess what? That left foot slinging it over to Mal Pugh. Uh, (laughs) But when you don't have that, it, it becomes a much more tactical battle because I think that the now that teams are getting good tape on the Red Stars, they're they're recognizing some strengths and some weaknesses. Um, and so, and this was actually something that, that Chris Petroselli said after the match. He said, uh, it is going to be a little bit, they're just going to play the game in front of them every week. So uh, they might make some tweaks on who they want where whether they want a more attacking wing back yeah. situation uh what they're going to do with the defense it's really going to be more like how can we adjust the system to play the team in front of us based on how they play for the next i think it's probably three games that that pew and Nair yeah. are going to miss and maybe st george it's hard we have to speak like generally about st george because she was called into the june camps they have not made a final world cup qualifying roster yet uh for canada so have to speak generally about it obviously would love it for her to be able to go with Canada, but Chicago will take her back if they, if they go in a different direction. Um, so it's going to be a lot of using the system um, for them. I will say that, and this was just last week, didn't get super firm comments on, on what the team is going to try to do to pick up the goal scoring. Um, the word set piece or the phrase set piece opportunities was used. Uh, <laughs> What are they going to be? The, what are the, what are going to be the keys to the next three matches? Yeah. Uh, set piece opportunities. Set piece opportunities. Uh, going to keep yeah. valuing. See, the gal pal says Mal Pugh scores from Colorado. She might. You never you know, what? know. Yeah, I would love to see it. Quite frankly, um, yeah, we're gonna get our we're gonna get our first taste of that though. I guess pretty pretty soon. I guess this is the transition moment, right? Yeah. Looking ahead a little bit. Red Stars have a game this uh, coming up on uh, July second. On July 2nd, coming up yeah. against uh, New Jersey, oh. New York, Gotham FC. And uh, obviously there's there's a window of, of time here where there's going to be a little bit of a break due to the mm-hmm. international window. So we've got uh, several Red Stars who are out on national team duty who are going to be going up against Colombia before heading off to CONCACAF W Championship World Cup qualifiers in July. Uh, so Nair will be, will be missing uh, Mal Pugh. Uh, obviously uh, we'll be missing. And so we've got, uh, you know, players and we're talking about St. George as well, because we're keeping an eye on that, but you know, these are players who will have big roles uh, for the Chicago Red Stars uh, this year um, in very specific positions. I think too, we got to highlight, you know, whether it's in that front line or uh, in nets, obviously, or BSG who we've been seeing sort of very, 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 very active uh, out on the wing here for, for the Red Stars. But I, uh, I think that's the next that's the next challenge, right? I think this is going to give us the opportunity to see what this team really is capable of. Question mark, yeah. you know, in in the absence of some of these sort of key players, I say that kind of like question mark because this is also a team that they just had to go through a pretty match heavy schedule, right? So mm-hmm. that in itself was a challenge. They have gotten results without Mel Pugh. We saw them do that at the beginning of this season. Um, and also Bianca St. George's. So I said that I had that little question mark on there. Cause I'm just like, well, actually yeah. this, this maybe isn't a place that they're unfamiliar 
with with Bing, but I just feel like it's a different phase right. of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alex says no Ava Cook as well. I do think Ava Cook will be back after the international break, though. I think she is only going to be out for the for the for the actual it's like I've been calling it like the break and then the period. So yeah. for the international break, Cook is out. She will be back for that period where World Cup qualifiers are happening. Um, it's like the two two separate things. That's again with like BSG. If if they do not take her to World Cup qualifying, she's out for the international break, but she'll be back for the, the resuming of play. Um, and yeah, I, I think maybe this is a good moment to pull up the points per game standings as well. And so this is a little bit different than the the end of USL table. Now this is again by Ariel. Thanks, Ariel is like the goat. I rely on her so much. Um, and also I, I rely on, on American soccer analysis who, who she contributes to as well. They, they do a lot of really good stuff in individual tables as well. If you want to see um, who is, uh, val- you know, they, uh, one of the really good stats there specifically is goals added. And so if you want to kind of get a sense for like how a player is doing, the G plus is really useful. But um, so this is not a table of just the points, as you can see. This is a table of the points per game. So it's indicative of per match played, how generally are uh, teams doing. And as you can see, like like Sandra was saying, talking about getting results, and this is maybe my point as well, Chicago's not just getting draws. They're not just kind of coasting on, on one point a game. They're at 1.78. So they're doing almost twice as well as a draw per game, which is is healthy, right? Um it's more indicative also of what you're looking at at the bottom of the table where you have some teams really struggling with that, uh, including like, uh, like Gotham, Gotham is kind of hot or cold. Right. Um, and so that is promising to me in that if Chicago does go on a stretch of draws or if they drop one or two, I don't think it is the end of the world. Um, but it is just more, how are you playing within that? And, I mean, going back to, and it seems like kind of an, an old gripe, but it is just still true. What do you do with the defense? Um, do you, so they decided at the beginning of their really tough stretch that they were going to have basically just the same three run the, uh, uh, run the, the three back with just the same personnel. Right. And then Kayla Sharples goes down. Yeah. And then they bring Amanda Kowalski in. She finishes out the game against Orlando. She plays in the game against Kansas City. Is the next step to also run those three as, as much as possible? Maybe when you're doing a game a week, that is not a huge deal. Um, but it is kind of a decision that they have to make about what they want to do. And I would assume probably they're going to always start a back three. And then if they have to turn that into a back four mid game, they will. But um I don't know. I, I don't know. I think that those are all the questions, right? Going into this next, next period. I'm uh I'm eager to see it. I, uh, I know for a while there we were, again, it's a different phase of the regular season. And I know in the be- earlier phase of, of this regular season talked a little bit about wanting to see these rookies be given the minutes and be given the opportunities, right? Because it's, was kind of apparent that, you know, this this is the roster. This is the Red Stars roster as assembled, and there are a ton of new faces on it. And that includes somebody like a Chelsea Dauber, who is new to the NWSL as well as a young player uh, herself. And also, you know, I would even include, to a certain extent, somebody like a Sarah Lubert, although she has, um, has had time and experiences with the Chicago Red Stars, uh, we're starting to see her get utilized in a more kind of, you know, regular uh, way, you know, getting more consistent minutes with this team. So I think that's what I'm going to be looking at uh, during this next next stretch of games. I mean, not, not so much this Gotham game, but just the next stretch in general. Here's my one, here's my one suggestion that I would like to see. Uh, speaking of Lubert. So there was a moment in the Orlando game before Kayla Sharples gets hurt where Luber is clearly been allowed to like drift inside. Now this is opponent specific, right? They probably would not do this against like North Carolina. who's like a quick counter team, but I wonder if the answer isn't figure your wing backs out. Right. So you maybe have like Rachel Hill, Jill Aguilera, maybe fingers crossed. Aaron Wright comes back soon. Let Luber be pew. 
give Lubert the pew roll, let her drift, let her kind of do whatever she wants. She's really fast. She can move all over the pitch. If, if I actually don't hate the idea of within the system, still have your like broad stroke creator. Don't get rid of that role just because you don't have Mal Pugh. Keep your broad stroke creator, but give it to Lubert or give it to Dauber. Like give it to those players that do have that professional experience and take the burden of full team defending off of their shoulders a little bit. And, and maybe that's where you can keep up in terms of, of goal creation during this period. That's maybe my thought. Yeah, right on. I feel you on that. I would like to see it. Um, look, listen, um, <laughs> we have said repeatedly, not just on the show, but in general, when we're talking uh, about the rest stars in, in various spaces that we don't, the expectations on this team are not ones that are like of an insane, like, you know, a threshold that we want this team to meet. I'm enjoying sort of, I'm enjoying the, the, the ride here that we're on with the 2022 uh, Chicago Red Stars. And uh, I'm with you. I, I wouldn't, I would, if, if there's an opportunity uh, to see some things still, even at this phase of the regular season, uh, I'm open to it. Um, I'm open to, uh, to all things. I, um, I do want to thank everybody for, for joining us uh, today on today's episode. Uh, we've gone a little long here. We usually go about uh, 45, but uh, we appreciate everybody for joining us um, as always and, and giving us the, you know, the time and, and, and the space to, to sort of go ahead and uh, to, to chat about Chicago Red Stars, but also things that impact yeah. uh, women's sports and, and women's uh, soccer. Shout out to uh, Brandon Spano. Um, yeah, let, let's maybe ball. this is our, our moment just to be like, we appreciate CHGO for letting us have this conversation. Yeah. Um, and yeah, what this is uh, just from, from the All City Networks, uh, and, and this is for us, it's very important to create a safe space for the people who know and trust us. Um, it's important for us to create a safe space for ourselves. Um, and, and so, yeah, we appreciate Brandon saying this today and, uh, and yeah, shout out to all cities, shout out to CHGO. Um, as always, if you appreciated this chat and our ability to have it, uh, please support, you know, subscribe, uh, follow us, uh, throughout, throughout the rest of the season, because, we're doing our best. <laughs> We're yeah. doing our best out here. <laughs> We're hanging in there. We really are. are hanging yeah. on, y'all. Uh, so thanks for uh, thanks for reaching out and a lot giving us something to hang on to. Yeah. We appreciate it. As always, uh, we'll be back. We'll be back to yeah. chat more Chicago Red Stars with you all very very soon. Tune in to to those uh, United States Women's National Team games. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure Mel Pugh is going to get a banger. Yeah. So or two. So we'll probably talk about that ahead of next week's game as well. Thanks, everybody, for joining us.